Welcome in to another episode of Home Field Advantage. My name is Will Island and I am your host. It is December 20th, 2021 and I hope you're having a great start to your week wherever you may be and however you may be listening across our great country or our great land. We're recording on a Monday today because I am off from work. I hope all of you get off from work at some point uh, this week for the holidays. Um, And so we're recording on a Monday, which means that for the first time in a long time, we have a complete Sunday football slate behind us when we record. However, of course, with the COVID issue that has come about in the league, there are two games on Tuesday night. And then, of course, there is a Monday night football game tonight. But we're going to start in the NFL um, because that is the most like prominent sporting event going on right now, considering that some of the other leagues are having severe COVID problems. Uh, we did just mention the COVID problem with the NFL, but they're still powering through and playing these games and not postponing them uh, beyond a week. Uh, obviously, they have a hard harder time doing that given that they they only play one game a week but uh I'm looking around and we have I think as I said only three games left in this week's slate um we have the Monday night game um which I'm looking at here is oh we have two Monday night games I'm I'm sorry we have four games left in the slate we have Raiders Browns tonight at 5 and then we have the traditional Vikings at Bears. Neither one of those games sound that awesome. Uh, tomorrow, though, we have Seahawks at Rams, and we have Washington football game. Uh, excuse me, Washington football team at Philadelphia. So there are some divisional race games or wild card implication games, so to speak, coming up. Um, but we're going to talk about mainly what happened yesterday and Saturday. Um, as it relates to the playoff picture, as we stand today, the playoff seedings in the AFC are as follows. Kansas City at number one, New England at number two, Tennessee at number three, Cincinnati jumps over Baltimore into number four, number five, Colts with a huge win over New England brings them back into the fold. Six is the Chargers, seven is the Bills. We have also have the Ravens at eight and six. The Browns at seven and six, and the Steelers at seven, six and one, and of course, Denver, Vegas, and Miami are also not out of it. Although at this point, I don't think they have as great of a shot. Um, but Denver, I mean, they're sort of still in it. They're only two games out of the number two seed. When you know that's how crazy it is. We've got two games separating the Patriots at number two and the Broncos at number twelve. So there's ten teams in there vying for um, a chance to play late in January. So that's how it looks in the AFC. Over in the NFC, we have Green Bay. They won their division um, last night and or clinched a playoff berth, something like that, uh, with their um, victory over the Ravens. Uh, number two is Dallas, then followed by Tampa at 10-4, and four, Arizona at 10-4, and four, the Rams at 9-4, and four, the 49ers at uh, 
eight and six, and the Saints at seven and seven. And New Orleans, with their big win over Tampa Bay last night, they find their way into the seventh seed. And then, of course, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and Washington are hanging around eight through ten. Um, the NFC, as I predicted all along, is a little more top heavy than the AFC. Um, the Packers have basically established themselves as the best team in the NFL record-wise. Can't argue with that, but also the way they're winning games uh, is significantly better um, than really the rest of the teams in that conference. I mean, Dallas, Tampa, Arizona, they've had good seasons, um, and they're all contenders as well, but I think the consistency that you've seen out of the Green Bay Packers is unlike any other team in the conference. And then the Rams, who I was high on at the beginning of the year. They had a huge win over Arizona last week or the week before. I can't remember at this point. We'll see where they land um, after their game with Seattle tomorrow. But what I really wanted to talk about was... uh, three distinct topics as it pertains to the AFC because as a Patriots fan the and just as an NFL fan the AFC is a little more compelling of a story in my opinion there are really there are like eight teams um and you know I even accidentally left out the Chargers who are a playoff team right now um but there are there are like eight teams here with an, with an opportunity to get into the playoffs um and, and really contend in my opinion and I think that's why the AFC as I said all along was wide open uh, you know just starting off you look at some of the remaining schedules what it really comes down to is who's going to be the number one overall seed and who's going to be the best team that ends up playing a wild card on the road uh, during wild card weekend so who's going to be the best team that doesn't win their division um, right now I think the best team that's not going to win their division is probably the Chargers um you know the Chargers, uh, maybe even the Colts, because the Colts, are, I mean, they're they're eight and six, and the Titans are nine and five, but they don't play each other again. Um, so, I I don't think Indianapolis really has a path to winning the South right now, uh, unless Tennessee really falls on their face. So it's really it's a question of beyond Indianapolis, who's the best team that's not going to win their division? Is it the Chargers? Is it the Bills? Or is it the Ravens or Bengals? So right now the Ravens, Bengals, and Steelers, and even the Browns are just beating each other up in the in the AFC North. I mean the AFC North is separated, you know, by a game or so at this point. Uh, Cincinnati's eight and six. Um, they've a head-to-head win over Baltimore. So there's a lot going on there. Um, and just so that I don't ramble, I'm just going to read off the remaining schedules for some of these teams. Um, that I mentioned. So first off, the Chargers. I talked about the Chargers. Um, the Chargers schedule. Let me just get back to it here. Oh boy. I get all prepared and then I lose I lose my page here. Alright. Chargers schedule. They go at Houston. Then they go home against Denver. And then they go at Raiders. So they get two divisional games there. And um, I don't think they're going to catch the Chiefs in the division. But I can see them still making the playoffs and winning two out of their next three games, and therefore um, ending the season as a uh, as a uh, ten and seven ball club. All right. Elsewhere, though, Kansas City they have a tough schedule as well, and this is where I'm not convinced that they're going to end up in the uh, 
number one overall seed. Because right now, they're neck and neck with New England. New England has a significant tiebreaker. They have two games in hand in terms of uh, their conference record. And their conference record will be the tiebreaker between New England and Kansas City. But here's what Kansas City has. They go home with Steelers, then they go at Cincinnati, then they go at Denver. Those are all teams that are going to fight for the playoffs, and you're going to get the best game out of all those guys. Right, New England, they have Buffalo at home, they have Jacksonville at home, and then they have Miami on the road. Miami on the road is always a bad spot for the Patriots. The Bengals, they have home against the Ravens, home against the Chiefs at the Browns. That's a tough schedule as well. Some of these AFC teams are going to start beating up on each other. Baltimore, they have at the Bengals, then they go home with the Rams, and then they go home with the Steelers. The Titans, they go home with the San Francisco 49ers, home with the Miami Dolphins, at the Houston Texans. The Indianapolis Colts, they go at Arizona, home against Las Vegas, at Jacksonville. The Buffalo Bills, they go at New England, home against the Falcons, home against the Jets. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh goes at Kansas City, home against Cleveland, at Baltimore. So in my opinion, I think Pittsburgh, I think Cincinnati, I think Kansas City have the toughest schedules. Sorry, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Out of the eight, they have the toughest schedules. If you look at New England, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Buffalo, they have winnable games on those on those fixtures for them. Tennessee, I think, could win out. Indianapolis, if they could somehow beat Arizona, I think they could win out. Buffalo, if they beat the Patriots and they win out, they win the division because they'll have a better in- interdivisional record than New England. So New England really has to beat Buffalo again because they lost to Indianapolis if they want to win the division. And then New England, they got Jacksonville on there, but they also go, have at Miami. That's a winnable game for the Patriots. Uh, they're a completely different team than they were in week one when they lost to Miami at home. But that's still a tough game. Uh, but needless to say, I think I feel confident in those four teams, the Patriots, the Titans, the Colts, and the Bills, that there are wins on that schedule. I think that the rest of the teams I mentioned either want to... And either or all of those games could go either way. You know, again, Kansas City, home against the Steelers, that could go either way. At Cincinnati, that could go either way at this point. Cincinnati's going to be fighting for their division. Denver, Denver's going to be fighting for their playoff life at that point. All right, Cincinnati, home against the Ravens, that's essentially a playoff game. Home against the Chiefs, they'll need to win that too. At the Browns, I mean, there are... There are tough games on the schedule for all of these teams. So when I look at the AFC, I think the team in the best position to get that first round by could be the Titans. Um, simply because I think the Titans hold a tiebreaker over the Chiefs. Um, and if the Titans win out, which they have a great opportunity to win out, and the Chiefs stumble in one of their games... Tennessee will be the number one seed. But in order for that to still happen, they'll need New England to lose the game because New England holds the tiebreaker over Tennessee. So those three teams really can't 
they can't really get out of each other's own way because they all have conflicting schedules, conflicting interconference and interdivisional records. So there's still a lot that can happen there. I think Tennessee has the best case to win out in their four. If New England stumbles and if Kansas City stumbles, they'll be the number one seed. I think right now they have the best chance at that. Um, just from a pure scheduling perspective. I know Pro Football Outsiders um, does the playoff percentages, and I would look that up right now, but there's still, again, four games left in this season, so it would not be inclusive of the full picture, so I don't want to confuse anybody even more with any more numbers. So I think in the AFC, bottom line is, guys, it's still wide open. I mean, there are still so many games... I mean, I just listed off the schedules for eight remaining teams. I didn't even really talk about the uh, Dolphins or the Broncos or the Raiders who are still hanging around and have an outside chance. So, really, anything can happen in these next three weeks. I know that's a cliche, but so far this football season, we have seen so much uh, even um, even play across the board. I mean, any given Sunday used to be a cliche, and I really think at this point it's become a rule uh, at this point. So, lots still to be determined in the AFC. Over in the NFC, like I said earlier, I think it's top-heavy. I think I think you know who your division winners are, with the exception of the Cardinals and the Rams, who are still sort of uh, hanging around and uh, figuring out who, how they're going to beat up on each other. I have to check here and see if they play again. Uh, I don't think they do. I think they played already. Um, so, I guess at this point it will it will come down to the interdivisional record with those teams if they finish uh, at the same uh, record. So right now they're but one six and four and the other six and three. But uh, you know I think at this point if the Rams win tonight or tomorrow night, excuse me, they'll be seven and three. That's better than six and four. So they'll end up jumping into that four spot because um, they have a better interdivisional record, even though they're overall record is the same as Arizona so that's really the only race that's up in the air I think despite the Buccaneers losing last night to the Saints um you know they still got a three-game lead with three games to go I don't see them blowing that um the Washington football team they're six and seven I mean they've practically lost the division already I think at this point uh and the Vikings and Eagles I think have an outside shot so I mean, we we know we know who the division winners are at this point, so we'll just see what happens with the seeding over there. Um, I think after last year, the Packers, um, you know, they they might understand a little bit more that they could be vulnerable um, if if they end up playing someone at home. They know that their home field advantage doesn't always do the trick, right? You know, you remember. Last year, losing in the AFC, uh, excuse me, NFC title game to the Buccaneers, I mean that was that was a blown opportunity. So, I think that home field, if it ends up being the Packers and the Chiefs, not a single soul will be surprised. Um, but if it ends up being the Patriots and Buccaneers, I think people will. I think we might have some. Uh, we might have some more uh, talk of that Brady Belichick stuff going forward. Uh, with Green Bay, though, they have home against the Browns, home against the Vikings, home against the Lions. I don't see them losing any of those games. I think they're going to finish 14-3. and three. Um, Tampa, I think they could win out too, but 
uh, there'll still be a game behind uh, after last night. So overall, I think the NFL playoff picture is all over the place, uh, and that's the way we like it, right? All right, I'm going to refrain from maybe talking a little bit about the Patriots game because I think we all watched the Patriots game. Um, you know, the, the Patriots, I think that game came down to four mistakes, and that's all I'm going to say about it uh, because that's really was the game. First mistake was obviously the blocked punt uh that was returned for a touchdown. That's seven points off the board. Uh, they also had an opportunity where Indianapolis missed a field goal, but they were offside. So they got called back. Had Colts got another chance to kick the field goal. They got it. Um, so that was three points on the, on the board uh, there. Um, and then, obviously, Mac Jones had that terrible interception to open this uh second half, not even factoring in the one that happened down in the red zone. I mean, that's points off the board for New England. And then lastly, and this is this is the one that for some reason we're not talking enough about, and that is the final big long touchdown run from Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you, you look at that opportunity and the Patriots, I think, had them in a second and long where if you can continue to take your timeouts in a second and long, you know, you, they would have gotten the ball back with about a minute and a half left, needing no timeouts, needing a field goal. And you never know what can happen uh, with some big plays or some big screens or whatever. And the Patriots are really well coached at getting out of bounds at the right time and, you know, getting to the sticks and finding the sideline. So I think no one's really talking about that. They They did what New England fans like myself were making fun of Buffalo for doing which is just getting completely bent over and not allowing their um, offense to have an opportunity at the end. Um, and uh, it's emblematic of those early season Patriot losses, um, but I think New England at 9-5 and five, with the schedule they have left still have a real opportunity uh, to do some damage in the postseason. Um, I like their chances anywhere against anybody um, in the AFC at this point with the way that they're well coached and the way that they prepare. Um, I think maybe not having a first round bye would be good for them in some way, shape or form, especially if they're in the two seed and they get someone like the Raiders at home or something crazy like that. Um, you know, if they end up with the Browns or the Steelers at home in the first round, I think that that could benefit them. So I think, I think, um, I think maybe not, having that bye week could help because Mac Jones looked a little rusty after that bye week. And the one thing I'll say about Mac Jones is we are, I think we are holding him to a unfair standard, right? Like I think that um, Mac Jones has done everything he needs to do for this team. Um, like if you told us at the beginning of the year that they would be nine and five with three games to go and leading the AFC East. People would have taken that. Now, look, they were sitting at number one overall in the AFC. They had uh, an opportunity there um, to do more damage and build their lead on Buffalo and, and whatnot. But, you know, I think I think that the Patriots, the Patriots are in a position where 
they can still succeed in different ways. And you know, let's not let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, Tom Brady had a fifty-seven point one rating last night against the Saints. All right, and he got shut out at home nine to nothing against a team playing with a friggin' tight end as their quarterback. Okay, so. We all love Tom Brady, but New England is still in good hands with Mac Jones. I mean, despite him having an awful first half, he had a 74.2 rating, a couple second half touchdowns to Hunter Henry, you know, and they and you know they they were in position to win that game at the end. You know, I can't say the same thing about the Buccaneers last night. All right, so if you want to have this rookie quarterback should be better debate, I mean, the greatest of all time had had one of his worst games of all time last night, I think statistically. So you know, th- that happens, okay? Like, and I know Brady was missing three guys and the Patriots are, you know, playing in a dome against a, you know, lesser team or whatever. I mean, but the situations you can you can talk about those. But Mac Jones is not the problem. You know, people are going to talk all week about can he do it when he's down 17 points or whatever it is. The question should not be can your rookie quarterback give you a miracle at the end of the game. The question should be why is that rookie quarterback in the position to need to do that? In the in the position that he was in to do that comes from three of the four mistakes that I made. Blocked punt had nothing to do with Mac Jones, all right. Giving up a 75-yard touchdown had nothing to do with Mac Jones, okay? And then the special teams guys being offside on a missed field goal had nothing to do with Mac Jones. All right. So there's <laughs> I have loyalty to God and country and family, but I also have loyalty to whoever is the number one quarterback on the New England Patriots. Uh, and so for that reason, you can take your terrible Mac Jones takes and shove it up your you-know-what. All right, that's all I got to say. Okay. So changing over to another topic here that has sort of come up in the past I don't know, week or so, especially on Twitter, is, you know, you have all these, you know, Fairweather Chiefs fans, you know, from the Midwest or from wherever because they're bandwagoners. And, you know, they're the TikTok generation that loves Jackson Mahomes and loves to be a nuisance and doesn't really watch sports. They just watch highlights. And, you know, so these people, there's this take going around that uh, Travis Kelsey's better than Rob Gronkowski. And I'm giving the masses credit. Most of the time it's been debunked. Um, just let me elaborate on this for a second. Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end to ever play in the NFL. All right. And here's why you look at a guy like Rob Gronkowski and he is not just a receiver only. He is a tight end the way a tight end plays tight end. And I don't think Kelsey is this guy as much as Gronk is. You know, you look at Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, phenomenal player. He's basically a, just a receiver that does a little bit of blocking. All right. You look at someone like Aaron Hernandez, you know, back in the day before he got in trouble and did all that awful stuff. He was essentially a receiver who didn't really do a lot of blocking. I look at Rob Gronkowski, and in his, and in his second half of his career, He's been less injured, he's blocked more, and he's been more explosive in the middle of the field. Old Rob Gronkowski, 
he was more explosive on the edges. You know, you look at some of those famous runs that old Rod Gronkowski had back in the day against the Redskins when they were still called the Redskins uh, against the Colts, that famous one where he's on the perimeter of the field and he's making guys miss. Now, I feel like in his older age, he's become more of a middle of the field threat, which that kind of sounds funny because he made his money in the NFL going over the middle of the field on those seam routes. But a lot of tight ends do that, right? But what makes Gronk effective now is his ability to chip guys at the line of scrimmage, get open. I mean, he's explosive in all parts of the field. Uh, whereas in the early of his career, he was sort of a journeyman tight end in the middle and really, really elite on the outside in those sort of goal line fade situations or uh, you know, that touchdown he had in the Super Bowl against Seattle, he was lined up like a wide receiver, right? But that's not the only kind of player he is now. You know, I look at Kelsey, and yeah, Kelsey plays inside. He does all these things well, too. But, I mean, I, I just kind of see Kelsey as like, all right, well, can he block all the time if he needs to? But the Chiefs, they don't have a run game. So he, he hasn't really had to be a real tight end. He's more of just like a receiver. So you want to say Travis Kelsey is better than Rob Gronkowski as a receiver. Maybe you can make that argument because I think he has more career receptions and less games than Gronk. But, you know, Gronk for most of his career was injured. Right, So those games he has in hand are like, all right, well, how many of those games was he coming back from injury, right? I can't think of a time when Travis Kelsey you know, was having back surgeries at age 25. You know, but, but beyond that, you know, the stat that really does it to me is touchdowns. I mean, Rob Gronkowski has 92 touchdowns, all right? Travis Kelsey is 55. You know, and you can say, oh, and then you can try and revert that argument and say, oh, well, well, you know, Rob Gronkowski's played longer. Really? He's played 15 games longer. That's like one season. He's played in 140 regular season games. Kelsey's played in 125. I mean, that's like a whole season difference. But despite that, a 92 to 55 ratio. I mean, for Travis Kelsey to have to match the touchdown numbers, if you were just going to go by that games argument, oh, he's played more games. Okay, well, if he plays 15 more games, he needed to score, what was it, uh, 37 touchdowns in 15 games. So that's uh, an average of, let's see, two and a half touchdowns a game. <laughs> you know, that, that's, a bad, that's terrible. So you can't make the touchdown argument. So Gronk wins on the touchdown argument. He wins on the fact that he plays a more balanced game in terms of where he catches the ball in the field, where he blocks, what he does at the line of scrimmage. And what he's doing at an older age, despite all of his injuries, having taken a year off, all right? Like, to say that Travis Kelsey is better than Rob Gronkowski just reeks of, like, 2018-plus Chiefs bias, all right? Pat Mahomes is awesome, but Travis Kelsey played five seasons before Pat Mahomes even entered the league, all right? So, or I shouldn't say before he entered the league, before he became a starter. So... You know, you just look at those stats, the touchdown numbers in particular. You know, you want to brag about how Kelsey has more catches in less games or uh, or just as many yards, essentially, in less games. Great. You can catch me and yard me till the cows come home, but touchdowns are what matters when you're a receiver. And for Gronk to have that many touchdowns, 
with basically the same amount of yards and still less receptions tells me something. And let's not forget, on the receptions front, he was playing with Amendola and Edelman and, you know, uh, Aaron Hernandez back in the day and Wes Welker back in the day. So Gronk was always with other guys that Tom Brady trusted. You know, I, I think Tom Brady looked at Gronk as a red zone threat. You know, and people will use, oh, well, he played with Tom Brady. All right. Well, Tom Brady's career essentially equals Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes. So, you mean, the quarterbacks are washes right now. You know, we're not talking about quarterbacks. You know, when you look at the other receivers, yeah, I mean, Kelsey, maybe he's taken a hit from playing alongside Tyree Kill. But I just think it's sort of a stupid argument to make and uh, just reeks of just modern-day Chiefs homerism that exists in the national media with those like Nick Wright and others. It's just gross. All right, switching gears here. We're going to spend the remainder of the show, which is going to be like another 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes or so, talking about some of the issues that have come up in the sports world as a result of COVID in these recent outbreaks. So the NHL has just been taking a beating with COVID problems the last week or so. Um, and, you know, my Bruins have been a victim of this. So have the Calgary Flames. I think the San Jose Sharks have had problems with this. I think everyone's sort of dealing with something. I think at one point there were dozens dozens of players being added um, over the course of a week. So something needed to happen. So they've halted international travel till after the holiday break, which is just terrible for some of these guys. These Canadian guys are these uh, European guys who can't go home or can't see their family or whatever, um, which is just awful. So let's not forget the human element of this. But, you know, the NHL, they have a decision to make. And that's a decision that we talked a lot about on The Morning Vantage. We've talked about it on this show. Uh, they're probably not going to go to the Olympics. I think they meet, they had a meeting yesterday or they met yesterday to discuss the decision. Uh, I don't think the union wants it. I don't think the league wants it. Uh, and if those guys agree on something, then it probably happens uh, I think some of the players want it. I think some of the players are starting to get a little scared. You've heard what guys like John Tavares have said in recent weeks where they're, they're not as uh, hopeful or optimistic as about it or they don't feel as comfortable as they did early on in the year. Um, and so I don't think the NHL is going to go to the Olympics, which is terrible for the game um, because the game needs a worldwide uh, tournament with its best players. I think the... Uh, Olympic tournament without the NHL players is really, you know, stale and boring. Um, you know, the ho the true hockey nerds will, you know, get all excited about the world junior guys. But the fact of the matter is most of the hockey world just saw them pl all play each other in a global tournament a month ago uh, at that point. So it, it it's not as it's not as exciting and it's really stale and dull. But I have a feeling that's where we're headed. Um, I would suggest a solution. This is probably not a. This is probably not a immediate solution. I just think they're going to try and use that time to maybe give guys breaks, maybe clear out uh, some of these COVID issues maybe, and uh, they're not going to play any games. Maybe they'll try and, if they have problems with scheduling, make up a few games here and there. But I think what we're going to see is just not a lot of hockey going on during those three weeks. Um, and uh, what I would suggest they do in the future, though, 
is bring back the World Cup of Hockey. The NHL can sanction this. You know, you could put, you could have maybe start with the top six finishers from, uh, top six countries finishers from the most recent Olympics, all right, um, or most recent World Championships, and then you could rotate a few in there, um, or you could have a situation where the U.S. and Canada are always in it, uh, and then the remaining six or you know, eight countries are on a rotation based on IHF rankings or something. Um, and the NHL could help sanction this in part in partnership with the IHF and, uh, you know, the television providers, and they could really make it an event. And the World Cup of Hockey could happen every two years. And the reason I say every two years um, is because it wouldn't take as much time as the Olympics if you have it in this country. And it's made up of predominantly NHL players. It's played in this country it's a, if you have it as a best of eight, um, excuse me, a group of eight playing quarterfinals with each other, uh, you know, that would be awesome. You also could have it where it's just a best two best of five series between the, uh, sorry, two best of three series between USA and Canada or Sweden and Finland um, with a best of five, a uh, best of five series with the winners of those, if that makes sense. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you could do it, uh, where you could still include that international international aspect in partnership with, you know, the NHL players being the best in the world that we all want to see. I mean, imagine if the FIFA World Cup happened, right? And they said, if you're in top tier football, if you're in top tier football, so if you're in the Premier League, if you're in Bundesliga, if you're in Syria, if you're in uh, La Liga or League One uh, or the MLS, you can't play in this tournament. Like, imagine that. That would be stupid. No one would want to watch that. I mean, maybe people would, but it would have, like, zero buzz compared to the uh, the tournament with the best players in the world. Like, imagine having the MLB All-Star Game and saying, actually, guys... Um, we can't, we can't, we don't want to bring the best players from this league. We want to bring the best players from like the triple A league, you know, the triple A level that would never happen, you know? So this has sort of become an ax that I like to grind is that the Olympic hockey tournament doesn't get the respect it deserves as being an awesome tournament. I mean, the world baseball classic is an awesome tournament. Obviously the FIFA world cup is a great tournament. The Olympic basketball has become a solid tournament in recent years. Uh, you know, the Women's World Cup soccer is great. Um, you know, so if you love team sports like I do, you know, and you're a football fan, football is an American game, so you don't really get that global part of it. And so you look at hockey for this, uh, especially this time of year. And it's a huge loss if the NHL doesn't go to the Olympics. But look, I get it. These guys, they don't want to go to China and quarantine for five weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. I mean, I don't trust the Chinese government with anything, let alone the managing of quarantines and letting these guys get out of there on a timely basis. So, look, I get it all. Uh, it's just a truly unfortunate situation for everybody involved. Um, and these COVID issues in sports are not going away. They're going to need... 
um, to be dealt with in some way, shape, or form. And unfortunately, I don't have all the answers, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to just wait and see what happens here um, with with that decision. But as I said, I don't think the NHL players will be going to the Olympics. Um, I hate to be the negative Nancy of the group, but for those of you who know me, you know that's what I unfortunately end up being. Um, so we'll see. I mean, but look across, look across the sports world right now. As I said in the beginning, the NFL has been postponing games. All right. The MLB is in a lockout, which is completely non-COVID related. So that's not, we're not even getting the, um, you know, off-season buzz from that. You know, the NBA and the NHL, they're running into some issues here and there. Um, And so what are we left with? Even the Premier League, right? Even if you're a soccer fan and you watch the English Premier League, there's rumors that they might go on a pause. I mean, Tottenham has three games in hand because they've missed so many uh, matches over the past month or so. So there's just a lot. There's just a lot going on there, and uh, it's it's really unfortunate. One thing I do want to end with. Speaking of the Premier League, uh, I did a segment back in July where I asked if Harry Kane ranked among the world's most liked athletes. And I hate to say I was dead wrong there. I mean, maybe among certain soccer fans, like maybe some American fans, some English fans, he might rank pretty high up there. But I feel like he's sort of become a divisive figure since I talked about that, whether it was related to the uh, transfer requests that he had or some of his poor play, even even Spurs supporters were after him. Um, And then yesterday... He had uh, what probably should have been a red card on uh, Robbie Anderson from Liverpool, um, where you know he said, and I believe him that he thought he did this. I mean, the thing about sports nowadays is it's so easy to go look at it in slow motion after the fact and try and make a determination of what someone's motive was in the moment. Um, you know, we do that a lot in contact sports with hits. Um, but, you know, I tend to believe him that he didn't think he was playing the man there instead of the ball. But, I mean, you look at the replay, and I think he did probably deserve a red card. There's definitely some politicking going into that that he did not get called um, or even get a VAR review of it. Uh, probably because he's the England captain, right? Um, but I, I think I think there's a narrative out there among English soccer fans about Harry Kane. And as a Tottenham supporter, let me just say, I haven't been a soccer fan for long, but there's not somebody, I don't think there's somebody like him uh, that I can root for in that sport. Um, maybe him and Song, who's also on uh, Tottenham Hotspur, maybe I can root for him in that way. But he's just, to me, seems like a good guy to root for. Um, definitely biased there. Um, plus, you know, even before I was a Spurs supporter, he went to the Super Bowl and wore a Patriots jersey, right? So I'll take that. Um, but hey, one thing, one thing that's important to important to admit sometimes is when you're wrong. And I was wrong about him being a universally well liked figure. I bet he is in certain circles, but that's not the definition of universal. So can't can't have your cake and eat it too, I guess. Alright, that's going to do it for this episode of Home Field Advantage. I hope you enjoyed it. hope you're enjoying your day wherever you're listening. Uh, if you're on an icy road, don't let me distract you from getting home safely. Um, we'll be back probably later this week, maybe this weekend, let you get through the holidays a little bit. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the schedule ends up being. Um, but. 
there's no question that we have a lot of things to talk about as always on this program. So I hope you enjoyed it there. You can follow us on Twitter at homefieldpod and at Sportland USA where we'll have a fun announcement coming on Twitter with Sportland USA. So please go check us out there. Um, and of course on Instagram at homefieldpod as well. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends this holiday season how fun it is listening to this program. But until next time, my name is Will Hound, and you have been listening to Home Field Advantage. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And starting January 3rd, 2022, Join us for a new season of The Morning Advantage with episodes on Instagram TV every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Home Field Advantage and The Morning Advantage are presented by Sportland USA, and the opinions shared on them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.